with Washtenaw County's longest-running all-purpose specialty show. Face the music, utilizing cultural residue as a cipher in order to unlock, subvert, and redefine the mysteries of the human genome. Face the music, Thursday nights at 7 on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's community-connected, student-run, experimental, experiential alternative, 88.3 centimeters. Well, uh, good evening. It's uh, about 6.30 p.m., and you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, as well as Frank Zappa, apparently. But you are now listening to Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And be careful out there. Uh, winter is is here, finally, I guess. We've maybe had seven days of winter so far. It's probably the coldest day yet. Yep. And there are some icy patches out there at this uh, Sidewalks are perilous. There's hour. a lot of people out of town, so the shoveling is erratic. One interesting fact, uh, the U of M has uh, shoveled, blown the snow around, and it is a palpable example on one occasion where government works better than the private sector. <laughs> anyway, uh, obviously we're on the eve of the Iowa primary. So we should probably have a little chit-chat about this uh, developing situation in Iowa. It's very interesting that uh, this... Uh, they, they talk in politics about horse races, but uh, this looks more like roller derby to me. <laughs> Ann Arbor had a movie filmed here a couple of years ago. The film tax credit, alas, has been dispensed with in the state of Michigan called Whip It. That was about roller derby. And I uh, think uh, Raquel Welch on skates. Uh, if only she were in the race. But she's not. Instead, uh, as uh, to paraphrase Karl Marx, it's history being repeated as farce. You and could hardly pick a more sketchy grab bag of farcical characters yeah. than we've seen on display in this uh, most entertaining and sometimes uh, distressing uh, pageant. Uh, show uh, that is the uh, Republican candidates this time around. Romney is the front runner that seems to go nowhere. Um, he may, uh, he's certainly going to finish in the top three, but uh, I would say that if he finishes third, he'll be maybe portrayed as a loser. Santorum seems to be making a move at this late hour. <laughs> Uh, which is rather remarkable, but I think explainable by the fact that several evangelical preachers last week uh, publicly urged Michelle Bachman to get out of the race, which she has not done. She plans on going to South Carolina. She's obviously not going to do well in New Hampshire. So she's going to be out after South Carolina, and we can only call her Bachman Turner Underdrive at this point. <laughs> Well, I mean, at least she spent very little in Iowa. Um, Romney has spent millions in Iowa. And, of course, how many delegates are available in Iowa? Well, that's what's interesting. For a change, the Republicans are doing their early primaries proportionally. Yeah. So even if you get a situation where Romney gets, say, 26 27% and Ron Paul gets 22%, uh, he's in the race. And yep. I think what's clear is that 
you have three real candidates at this point. Four, I, I would say. Rick Perry is a dark horse. Uh, seems to be kind of steady in the polls, but going nowhere in Iowa. And he's going to have to bank on a good performance in South Carolina because I doubt he will do well in New Hampshire. Um, he, of course, self-destructed and uh, interestingly at one point was portrayed as a front-runner or rival to Romney. Yeah, for about a week and a half. Ron Paul's key, um, and he appears to be another uh, top three finisher, is his uh, turnout. What's it going to be? Uh, he's got uh, a, a strong, as they say, on-the-ground uh, ground game, but he's actually been falling a little bit in the polls as uh, old ghost stories about his strange newsletters back in the 80s have reared their ugly head. So there's a lot of anti-negative campaigning going on all of a sudden. And it, to me, what's going to be interesting is who finishes fifth, first, and third. <laughs> third will probably, you know, in the horse races, I think they call that showing yeah win place and show so we'll, we'll give the third place finisher uh, in the race i don't know that santorum even if he finishes third uh, has enough money to be a serious candidate in the future rick perry has enough money um he, he's the second best funded uh, candidate at this point and then there's big fig <laughs> newt gingrich um he has plummeted and I think the story there that is, is really kind of fascinating is that he went way up after Kane got out of the race. Mm -hmm. uh, all there, there was all this chit-chat about how he would blow away Obama in the debates. Well, that surge in the polls went to Newt's head, and he began making bizarre statements about... I am the candidate. I am the candidate. You know, child labor laws are stupid. I'm just going to list a few of them here quickly. Palestinians are an invented people. Talked about Sharia law threatening America. Uh, went after judges. Uh, he just had a panoply of bizarre comments that, of course, have proven to be his undoing in the uh, past. I found a strange news item about a frog. Uh, this is in the science section from many months ago uh, about its uh, mating call which consists of a whine followed by a series of grunts <laughs> or chuck <laughs> or chucks uh, that uh, appeal to the female. So this uh, bizarre uh, frog from uh, the tropics uh, is Newt Gingrich. <laughs> a whine followed by several chuck, chuck, chuck grunts. <laughs> yes. Grunts indeed. Ex explains a great deal. And it's interesting to me how the uh, there was a kind of a, there's a wing of the Republican Party. There's, the, there's this kind of stop Mitt Romney, you mm -hmm. know, not Romney. We've been joking around about that all year. But there emerged all of a sudden a stop Newt Gingrich yep. movement in the Republican Party. And I found it interesting that a couple of snarky female columnists, one of them Marine Dowd from the New York Times... And the other Peggy Noonan of the Wall Street Journal put the kibosh on Big Fig. So uh, imagine the roller derby image of Big Fig. <laughs> Buffeted by elbows to the chest. If not a frog that's whining and grunting. 
um, going around the uh, the roller derby track and getting uh, bumped out of the ring by a couple of female skaters. Um, Maureen Dowd's column on the 11th of uh, December uh, in the New York Times uh, was, of course, brilliant. He talked about how Newt wants to be Abe, noting that Gingrich had decided that he was going to follow Obama around uh, because he'll be the scheduler. He says, wherever the president goes, I will show up four hours later, claiming that Abe Lincoln did this to Stephen Douglas, which is a very interesting metaphor in and of itself. <laughs> Back in 1858 when they ran for Senate and that uh, Abe thus dominated the coverage. Uh, what Newt omits there is, uh, well, Douglas won, but Lincoln went on to become president. As for um, her column, she calls Newt at one point Nutty Newt, noting that Michael Steele, former RNC chief, was eloquently summed up uh, uh, the Romney freefall on MSNBC. I don't care how you cut it, brother, he just can't bake the cake. Republicans still seem a bit, and I'm quoting from Dowd here, dazed by Newt's dizzying rise from the ashes. Peggy Noonan calls him a troubled magnet and a human hand grenade who walks around with his hand on the pin saying, watch out. <laughs> Senator Tom Coburn of Oklahoma, who was in the House when Gingrich was Speaker, told Chris Wallace that he would have a hard time supporting Newt because his leadership was lacking oftentimes. Sounds like a... Uh, <laughs> Characterization of the Republican Party field. And then uh, Senator Richard Burr, of, not to be confused with Aaron Burr, of North Carolina, who worked with Newt, said he's got a thousand ideas and the attention span of a one-year-old. <laughs> These are elected Republican officials we're quoting here. Peter King told CNN's Aaron Burnett, Newt's inflammatory statements, his erratic and self-centered behavior, and his Armageddon language wear people out. So uh, this is just a uh, an amazing panoply of crit critique that started coming and emerging from the Republican establishment. Newt had that bizarre meeting with Donald Trump. Right. They produced some of the strangest photos I've ever seen. Um, a dialogue of the hair. Yes. So Big Fig uh, appears to be... <laughs> Placing somewhere fourth or fifth, um, he has enough personality to continue. Well, personality. And he's obviously suffered from these outside super PAC groups yeah. that are, quote, not connected to Romney in theory, but we know they are. And that's where the money's being spent on these negative campaign ads. And that'll be uh, sort of a new wrinkle, uh a new compounded wrinkle. Certainly there's been widespread, large-scale corporate funding of political advertisements that are not necessarily attributable or uh, linked to one individual campaign. For example, the Swift Boat thing yeah. was a completely separate uh, entity. Um, now that the Supreme Court has uh, essentially equated cash with speech, um, this is going to be uh, a bigger problem. Uh, but you mentioned the the word personality, and and really what we're seeing here is a struggle within. We've known this was going to happen uh, within the Republican Party itself for their personality. It's it's not a contest of 
who is the guy, but who's not the guy. And uh, for part of the Republican Party, Romney's unelectable, but for the old-fashioned uh, fiscal conservative, social moderate, uh, nearly extinct wing of the Republican Party, Romney's probably their best shot. So how will the old uh, workings of the Republican Party prevail over these fringe elements which have uh, risen to the top as far as media attention and uh, so-called clout? I'm not really sure that the Tea Party members uh, have that much clout within the Republican Party itself. They're sort of a, a problem for the Republicans, but they are part of this shattered puzzle. Yeah, and and they're and they're not united. I think what's what's interesting about the emergence, if if these uh, numbers uh, showing a move by Santorum uh, actually materialize, um, is that he may wrap up this sort of evangelical wing of the Republican Party. Obviously, Romney is the establishment, so-called country club wing, mm -hmm. and Ron Paul represents a kind of interesting amalgam of libertarianism. Um, both on foreign policy and, uh, shall we say, uh, social policy that appeals to some left-wing people in America um, as well as right-wing people. So he, the Tea Party strikes me as sort of split up uh, yeah. amongst these uh, candidates, and it's quite unclear how this is all going to work its way out, but I definitely think that Rick Perry... We'll get back to him because he's uh, a very strange candidate indeed who fell off his horse almost as immediately as soon as he got on it, uh, performed miserably in the debates. Um, he's improved a little bit, but he has enough money to stay in the race for a while. And I'm not sure that I can say that about Newt or Santorum, who right. I would argue are both essentially running for VP. And, of course, we've left out the forgotten man, John Huntsman, who strikes me as a man running for 2016. Uh, he's kind of abandoning, not even running in Iowa at all, uh, and is uh, going to get below 1%, I dare say. He's banking on New Hampshire and has already stated that he's going to be uh, exiting the race if he doesn't finish at least third. Dude, you may as well file the... <laughs> Divorce papers, yeah, because uh, I doubt he'll finish even that high. You never know. Um, he's been somewhat uh, rational at times, but then he's been backtracking. And it's interesting how he's played uh, interference for Romney. Hmm. Uh, he's been running ads against Ron Paul. So there is a kind of a fascinating roller derby effect going on here in which people are teaming up to knock other people down yeah. and vice versa. And this is why we've seen this fluidity in the race. As for the general ideas of the Republican Party, they strike me in all these debates. And I think the debates overall have been better than, say, advertising, which has emerged in the last couple of weeks. I think it's actually good that uh, some of this spending is way down in Iowa. But uh, I see America's main five problems um, regarding where we're at, uh, highlighted with dysfunctional government, but it's essentially war spending, unemployment, energy problems, and health care. These are all connected to our long-term debt situations, our budget uh, problems, and our demographic problems, if you will. 
And well, our attitude towards uh, tax revenues. The Republicans see our problems as abortion, um, you know, immigration. Many of them are openly advocating a war with Iran at this time, which is mind-bogglingly stupid uh, and would damage the American economy uh, possibly beyond repair. I mean, if we suddenly saw oil at $150 a barrel, that would be very uh, destructive. And these ideas of uh, privatizing and uh, individualizing Social Security and Medicare strike me as, uh, for all intents and purposes, an advocacy of ending Medicare as we know it and uh, ending Social Security as we know it. These don't strike me as rational ideas at this time. And uh, the Republican Party, as we've seen in the dysfunction over the, the, the last five, six months, re, you know, starting really with the, uh, the debt ceiling and culminating with this uh, inability to, to come up with a payroll tax cut mm-hmm. compromise in which, ironically, it was the Republican Party that were opposing the tax cut. For the record, by the way, the money involved in this tax cut for the year is going to cost the Treasury $250 billion. This is not some small amount of money. This is an actual real budget item. And once again, uh, nothing's being paid for. Uh, If there was a theme to last year, despite all the bluster and uh, egotism of Big Fig and his uh, minions and his uh, associates, we didn't see the government cutting spending very effectively. We saw a lot of kicking the can down the road. And uh, I thought one of the best overall sort of summations of the year in general. By the way, it was a very good year for astronomy. I want to point that out. We've got a couple of probes going to the dark side of the moon. Mm -hmm. Keep your eye on those. Uh, There's apparently a mysterious mountain in in the background that nobody's ever seen. But I thought one of the better columns of the year was this Floyd Norris uh, item in the Saturday New York Times in which the title of the piece is The Year Governments Lost Their Credibility. Hmm. Talks about this all over the globe. The Arab Spring. The protests against Putin and Russia. Dysfunction. Russia's, Russia's problems. Uh, Burma. Iran. Uh, Yemen. Libya. Italy. Syria. Italy. We've seen government changes in Greece, Italy, and Spain. Uh, we have a number of elections this, this upcoming year uh, in action and kicking the can down the road by the European Union, which could affect the American economy. And frankly, uh, John Boehner uh, looks like a two-year man. Uh, he's a sad tangerine indeed, to quote uh, John Stewart. Yeah. He says he looks like a sad tangerine. Well, I'm sure his personal physician would recommend uh, a, a hiatus. From this position, I don't think he's it's it, he's worn it well. No, he can't seem to get the troops in line. He right. doesn't understand that his job as Speaker of the House is to pass these bills. He, you know, he complains about kicking the can down the road, but they're the ones that aren't passing the budgets. They're the ones that are having this internecine battle within their party that uh, is, is exceedingly dysfunctional. And they've even uh, come to... Uh, conflict with the uh, uh, Senate Republicans that, of course, have obstructed everything Obama's tried to do. Well, and a parallel's already been drawn uh, by writers in most of the major papers between uh, Obama's situation regarding this Congress 
1948, Harry S. Truman able yeah. to run for re-election mm-hmm. against the so-called do-nothing Congress. Certainly, this has been a do-nothing Congress. Yeah, or, or outright destructive Congress, and they certainly are not focused on the big issues. They have not passed any sort of substantive jobs bill, uh, despite the fact that, uh, as uh, one columnist noted, and I don't remember who pointed this out, it was either Paul Krugman or uh, Nicholas Kristof, the public views the jobs problem, you know, that half the people think that's the main issue. It's only 7% that think it's about the debt and the deficit. And it's, of course, strange that the Republicans couch this deficit debt debate in this bizarre theory that they suddenly care about our children and our grandchildren. Where have they been for 30 years? This is the, uh, the problem that I've had with the Tea Party. And uh, these deficits are, are structural, and they are connected to war spending, and our energy um, dependence on mm-hmm. foreign oil and healthcare dysfunctionality. Uh, Michelle Bachman uh, has vowed and has fought to end Obamacare. She has. There's, there haven't been any votes on Obamacare that I'm aware of. Um, they voted on the Ryan Amendment, which uh, was pretty much a decision to end Medicare as we know it. Uh, this is just not going to work. We can talk about Obama in a couple of weeks, I think, because there's a kind of a big hiatus in the uh, primary schedule this year because Iowa and New Hampshire moved themselves up. So far up. So far up, yeah. Very strange. And just exactly where is Herman Cain these days? So we're watching that Pokemon movie. Yeah, what a what a crew. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, unfortunately, the election at the end of the day is really going to come down about eight or nine states. We know what they are. It's the Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico area. Ohio, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, North Carolina, and Florida. The rest of the country, and Missouri, I'll throw that one in there. But uh, the rest of the country, we know how they're going to vote. Iowa will be close. I think Obama's got Michigan and Illinois wrapped up. Um but Iowa will probably be a, a genuine toss-up, Iowa, Missouri, that little area. But the, you know, we know where the red states are. If it touches water, it's blue. If it's uh, landlocked, think Afghanistan here. <laughs> think about the Christian evangelicals who yeah, are, it, are frightening. Right. And, you know, on the subject of Christian evangelicals, I wanted to quickly mention not so much a brain damage award, but uh, we, we need to, uh, you know, People on the left, progressives, uh, even regular, ordinary, you know, genuine Christians really need to sort of reconsider the use of this phrase uh, Christian, Uh, because so many of uh, these self-identified or what I would call nominal Christians are really not Christian at all. I've read the New Testament. I was mm-hmm. you know, educated in Catholic high school, and so even though I no longer attend church regularly, I, I know the text quite well, and I'm familiar with uh, certain key passages that really are quite radical and profound in their outlook on how we function as a society. Um, the Beatitudes, for example, you know, blessed are the meek. Yeah, they shall the, inherit the earth. The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the yeah. Mount. This is true uh, Christianity here. And if you listen to these so-called Christians in Texas who hoot and holler and cheer Rick Perry 
uh, as he you know flaunts his uh, execution ratio. Uh, and people, holds these, quote, prayer breakfasts. It's right. interesting that he got into the race. I was going back and checking this because uh, I was interested in the... Uh, so-called Dominion yeah. enthusiasts. Apoc- they, apostolistic. Yeah. yeah and very they, strange stuff. Very strange stuff. And uh, I would think it's more accurate to call these people Yahwists, perhaps, because they emphasize the punitive nature of religion, the, you know, hell and brimstone, uh, the punishment aspects of it. Certainly Christianity is not about punishment at all. It's about tolerance, acceptance, compassion, kindness. Well, and they love Leviticus. Oh, Leviticus is heavy on the punishments. That's right. It's uh, it's the law. And of course, if you identify yourselves with that aspect of the text, you are in the right because this is the angry power of God. Um, it's the other parts of what I would call true or genuine Christianity are nowhere on their agenda. So call them nominal Christians, uh, call them Yahwists, call them something else, I think. But we need to stop calling these people Christians. And I think their use of that term uh, should be challenged because, you know, obviously everybody's free to uh, worship at the church of their choice. And People should be measured by their deeds, not by what they call themselves. Uh, Not to draw too striking a parallel, but uh, there were plenty of Nazis who considered themselves godly people. Yeah, and well, not how are your deeds? That's that's how you'll be measured. How do you actually, you know, treat children? Yeah, poor. And how does a rich man get into heaven? Through the eye of a needle. His chances are as good. As That's get, right. And they're through the eyes of a needle. And, of course, what's interesting about some of these sects in, uh, in Texas um, that are not even connected directly to Rick Perry is that many of them openly advocate sort of blatant materialism as, a, as, a, as an article of faith. Fascinating stuff. And, of course, one of the big issues that uh, dare not rear its ugly head in in terms of open discussions is the fact that many of the Republican uh, candidates essentially are are advocating a foreign policy on behalf of the Israeli government, the Netanyahu government. Uh, There's a very good chart, by the way, in the Saturday New York Times about these stands that these various candidates have on on, uh, some of the major issues that they've talked about in the debates with some interesting sound bites uh, here and there. But uh, on war with Iran, for instance, they're, they're openly suggesting that America needs to go to war with Iran to protect Israel. <laughs> Why? It didn't turn out that well in Iraq, and we need to remember that Iran is the size of Alaska. It's got 75 million people. Um, that would make a permanent mess of the Middle East. And as for the fact that Iran has been strengthened by the neoconservatives... Uh, right. Invasion of Iraq, which was uh, warned repeatedly as a reason not to do this, um, that argument is specious at this point. Where were you people back in 2002 and 2003 when the likes of William Sapphire and others were advocating that we invade Iraq uh, to protect Israel, among other reasons? There were other issues involved, but... uh, oh. Let's uh, go for some more whining and grunting. <laughs> I prefer mating calls from uh, strange animals to uh, <laughs> advocacies of more war. Indeed, uh, the the costs uh, 
the, the Iraq war has, is closed, essentially, but uh, we'll still be bearing the burden of those costs. And, uh, of course, those who were forced to endure it on the multiple uh, troop deployments, repeat deployments, uh, those people will bear those costs for the rest of their lives. And as for religion, it's obviously played a, uh, a role in the uh, uh, Republican uh, primary uh, roller derby. Uh, sticking with that metaphor, uh, I discovered that Newt Gingrich has had as many religions as wives. Um, oh, he's converted twice to different religions, which uh, makes me a little suspicious of his uh, dedication either to religion or marriage. But Big Fig will remain on tour uh, in the campaign, the book tour at the very least. Uh, speaking of tours, uh, one of the most bizarre items that I saw of the year is this item that is connected to religion. Uh, and, I, you know, the, the religion, the Mormonism, is, is going to be very interesting. Also, keep in mind that Rick Santorum is Catholic. So how many evangelical Christians in Iowa actually materialized for Santorum? They, they don't like Catholics either. Uh, remains to be seen. Um, but in one of the stranger articles of the year, I wanted to mention this because I'm sure you'd get a kick out of this. This is from Mexico City. It says Roman Catholic leaders uh, pray. Um, in, in, excuse me, I'll start this over. This is from... Uh, the 1st of September, uh, Ann Arbor News, courtesy of the Houston Chronicle. In what Roman Catholic leaders pray can help end Mexicans' tribulation and gangland slaughter, the late Pope John Paul II's, or rather a bit of his blood, has begun a tour of the country. Thousands of believers since August 25th have filed past a small crystal capsule holding the blood at Mexico City's Basilica of the Virgin of Guadalupe. Extracted from John Paul shortly before his death in 2005, the capsule is in the folded hands of a glass-enclosed effigy of the pontiff, held by many believers to be sacred because of John Paul's pending canonization as a saint. The blood on Wednesday began a four-month tour of Mexico's 91 diocese. Dio, uh, uh, it's a good moment to pray for peace, said Victor Rene Rodriguez, Secretary General of uh, Mexico's Catholic Bishops Conference. Okay. Think of the a little vial of anthrax. Right. <laughs> or Elvis sweat. Yeah. You know, it's like Elvis's jacket uh, yeah. going on tour. Uh, you know, that, that speaks to the sort of... Uh, the fetishism of of religion and what Joseph Campbell would criticize as uh, taking the metaphor literally. Yeah. You, you destroy your own spirituality when you take metaphor literally. Uh, John Paul II, in many ways, was a heroic man. In other ways, a deeply flawed pontiff, in my opinion. But uh, certainly there must be a, a better solution to gangland violence in Mexico than the touring vial. Yes, the touring vial. <laughs> Uh, if only they had a heavy metal band to open up for that tour. Right. <laughs> anyway, just uh, mentioned to you, you've been listening to Gray Matters here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Andrew's been our engineer, and Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. And where is Herman Cain? <laughs> Who's he going to endorse? Yeah, well, he'll probably wear whoever's T-shirt uh, arrives at the door.
And why did Tim Pawlenty get out of the race so quick? Boy, that's a, another mysterious question. He'd probably be the front runner now if he'd stayed in the race. But he was insulted that Michelle Bachman beat him in the